WBNE. Howdy, Yokes. This episode of Bacon and Eggs is actually brought to you by the King of Staten Island. Howdy, Yokes, and welcome back to... Bacon and Eggs! I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edgehill. And today we're getting bad tattoos. Or maybe we're just robbing a pharmacy. So get a job at the fire station. And find a new father figure. Because today we're bringing you... The King of Staten Island. The King of Staten Island was directed by Judd Apatow. I think this is our first Apatow movie. Yeah. Wild. That dude, like, like he wrote all the movies I watched growing up. Uh, no, it came out on June 12th, 2020, just 60 days ago, on a questionable million-dollar budget. Yeah, can't, uh, can't find that, that detail. So far, it's reporting at $1.7 million worldwide, which is not a ton. I would recommend, if you haven't seen it, to go see it, because it's very good, and I very much liked it. No, uh, no, s- no um, don't go see it in a movie theater. No, obviously don't go see it in a movie theater. That would be so stupid. Go see it on, like, but Amazon Prime. That's what the budget stat is that's a box office uh, statistic i thought that included the streaming okay no that's box office gotcha okay i'm okay oh, well, I don't, that's well, the only well. number i have it has made unquestionable or unknown money streaming, streaming. i mean it, probably not that much i don't know i feel like we saw it and i feel like a lot of people were talking about it anyway 73 percent critic rating on rotten tomatoes 85 percent audience and a 67 on metacritic i think the critic rating here is criminally low uh 85 though i can see um and then ethan do you have a negative review for this film i do i have a negative review from armand white i know that name you do know that name you recognize He's the, the picture that- yeah He's a guy who hates guy everything. doesn't like things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Armin White from the National Review says, Apatow's glib narrative both sneers at and pities the working class phenomenon, oblivious to the deep-seated social unease that defines America's lost generation. How do you feel about that review? Um, I disagree with Armin White. Yeah, me too. I think this movie, uh, this is, this is what I like. Pete Davidson is... As a member of America's lost generation, I feel pretty seen by this movie. Yes, that is how I feel as well. Do you have a positive review for me? I do, yeah. Jake Wilson at The Age in Australia uh, writes, If you are prepared to give Davidson a chance, Apatow's entertaining instincts and a well-chosen supporting cast are enough to ensure the film never becomes an outright drag. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. This is definitely... I don't know if I necessarily agree that that's positive. Well... It's three out of five, but that's what that's what uh, Rotten Tomatoes. This is this segment here is to remind you that a positive review isn't always a uh, glowing also, review. Saying it's a drag doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative review because it's. I mean, it's not particularly upbeat or particularly hopeful or particularly short. Uh, yeah, or particularly short. Yeah, I was I was shocked at how long this movie went. I you know you said something crazy a minute ago where you said uh, the Judd Apatow wrote most of the movies or had some, uh, d- did most of the movies I watched growing up, which is an absolute absolutely bonker sentence that i don't think is true um but let me let me uh so i in my mind in my mind i always equate judd apatow with like uh uh like john hughes and cameron crow like the yeah. the the yeah he's not that guy well i would think judd apatow is the john hughes of the 2000s uh, he just hasn't done very many movies uh so okay i liked a lot of these so let me run down judd apatow movies that that i'm a fan of like the cable guy i like anchorman i liked uh i I'll say liked at the time. He's I'm a sure producer of these movies. So I would say at the time I was a fan of, but I, I think if I revisited, I would not like, but uh, Kicking and Screaming. I liked 
the 40 year old virgin i've seen fun with dick and jane multiple times i love talladega nights the ballad of rick and bobby uh which we have reviewed so i guess this isn't the first one i liked knocked up i loved super bad uh again these are production credits tyler i know but i'm this is just what he shows up under on uh rotten tomatoes so the things he's involved in um right but he owns a production company so so he doesn't have anything to do with most of those movies as director what has he directed not that that's the point i'm making tyler not that let's much see. let's see uh, you're right Virgin knocked up. He did not direct, but wrote Pineapple Express and like train. Wreck. I haven't seen Pineapple Express, but that does fall under a category of things that of films that I generally like. Pineapple Express is hysterical for sure. Uh, it is no, it is not good, but it's not bad. It is very crude. It is one giant weed joke. Judd Apatow seems to think weed is funny. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I liked Forty Year Old Virgin. I like Knocked Up. Uh, I haven't seen Funny People. I haven't seen This Is Forty. I've heard it's excellent. Maybe not excellent. Anyway, this is not the. T- the really? type of movie I was expecting. When, when, so when you when you pitch me Pete Davidson, Ariana Grande's ex boyfriend, yep. which is the only thing I know him from. You don't watch SNL? No, not really. Oh, not not recently. Um, actually, re- realistically, never have I like. I, I mean, a few times, but I you know I don't wake up or I don't stay up Saturday night and be like, oh man, eleven thirty or whatever time for SNL. I uh, there was a good time in my life. I think it was early Davidson on SNL, but there was a good time in my life where I was very interested in SNL. So and it is- was also at a time when SNL was, I think, if I recall correctly, like if you were to look at the numbers over the years, like when it was at a low point, but it hit me at a time where I was like really interested in comedy writing and things like that. So it intersected at a at a bad time. So I feel like I have seen everything uh, Bill Hader ever did from Saturday Night Live. I feel like I've seen everything Maya Rudolph's ever done from Saturday Night Live, just like on the internet, because that's right. how Saturday Night Live exists now is in clips on YouTube. Well, that's how, I mean, yeah, and that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's sketches. It's sketch comedy. Like, right. that's what it's there for. It's infinitely shareable if you have people being funny for four minutes every four minutes for three hours, two hours, however long it is. Right. And there will be something funny. And there'll be something funny. Yeah, it, it is the epitome of throw spaghetti at the wall. You have a team of people being like, like, is this funny? I don't know. It might be. I'm so numb to funny at this point. Right. But like I have. So when when Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson started dating, I was like, who? And they were like bright, young SNL star Pete Davidson. I was like, oh, OK. And then I looked after that. Like I, I would look out for any time I saw an SNL clip and I'd be like, where is that guy with the big mouth that dated Ariana Grande? So that's so funny you say it that way, because when when they started dating, I was almost like Ariana Grande is still somebody like there was a time period where I was like, okay, she was in Victorious. And then I didn't know who she was. I mean, I knew who she was, obviously, because she was, I knew who she was in that show. If, if you were like Jamie Lynn Spears, I'd be like, I know who that is. She was Zoe. Yeah. I mean, she was a huge pop star. Right. But I, I, I don't think I connected that. Um, I think I knew like her songs and stuff, but I wasn't dialed in enough uh, to You don't to, know like, the song Problem? I know who Ariana Grande okay. is. Okay. <laughs> anyway, she dated well, to Mac me, Miller. To me, Pete Davidson was like more of a name in, in my brain. Well, so this Obviously, is the thing. Obviously, like, he wasn't. She started dating Pete Davidson either like right before, right after Mac Miller died. Right. Um, And so it was like a big headline. Right. Because people wanted to paint her as some sort of horrible person for, you know, moving on. Dating. Dating. Yeah. <laughs> D- dating somebody else that didn't break up with her. Right. Um, And everything got pretty horrible with that. And she was like blamed for his death and everything. But anyway, I had no idea who Pete Davidson was. And like, I have sought him out a couple times on SNL. And I wouldn't say that he is like my favorite cast member ever. Now, I know you are a particular fan of his. I am. Yeah, I love Pete Davidson. I think he's, uh, I, at least I loved his uh, SNL stuff. And I also love him in this. And I, I love the sort of spirit that he brings, I think is the right word for it. Almost because I don't 
relate to him very well on like uh, his day-to-day life, but I do in like the world he existed in, if that makes sense. Like his character in this? Or- right. Like I, I definitely don't have the struggles that, that he had, but I've definitely been in a lot of the places he's been in at the same time. It's very weird. But you're referring to his character in this movie, not Pete well, Davidson and, himself. And if you've listened to his stand-up and things like that, it's very similar to his character in this film. Yeah, I'm, I'm also, sure. I mean, I guess this is like semi-autobiographical. Yeah, and he plays a character named Scott Carlin. I don't know if you know that. That's my last name. Yeah, I guess Scott was his dad's name. Yeah. His real, mm-hmm. he, Pete Davidson's real dad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Scott Carlin, which was wild. I, I did not remember that until uh, I was actually looking at the uh, the casting, and then I was like, oh, well, yeah. Because it it, it's never like said in the movie. Uh, they say it a few times. Do they? Yeah, because I, I mean, when your name is Carlin, you pick up on that. That's but, fair. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, I don't know if I could point to it, but. See, I, I, yeah. was, I would not say that he is my favorite. And I think this is going to be one of those things where like I, I might be able to get his. Um. I've never watched a stand up. But I might be able to get his uh, SNL bits better now. Just like I really did like him in this movie. Uh, I thought he brought a very interesting. Like he he doesn't he doesn't play this part like a lot of actors would have played this part. Right. Like you can almost picture how. And and we know this that I'm not particularly up on the crop of young actors that are out these days. Um, I know Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet and. Uh, I okay, so Timothy Chalamet. Noah Centineo this, is that a name? That's a name. That's a name. No, Timothy Chalamet would have made this a, a whole different aesthetic of film. Th- this would have been an art movie that you don't. Oh uh, yeah, watching. yeah, yeah. If this was a, a Greta Gerwig, Timothy Chalamet, A twenty four movie. Um, I think young guys who could have played this part, uh, like Dave Franco, would be a little old, but like yeah. I, uh, Zac Efron is in that like right age group. Zac Efron's too old. Isn't that weird? You never yeah. thought. Well, yeah, but Zac Efron has been doing these movies for 15 years. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is, is young. Like, I watched Zac Efron and Adam Devine in Devine, whatever his name is, in like Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates five years ago. I've seen that movie more times than I ever care to admit. Dirty Grandpa. Surprisingly good movie. Zac Efron can act. Uh, I'm trying to think who are there like, like Pete Davidson's perfect for this part yeah don't get me wrong he's he's like because that Zac, Zac Efron would have been and, and people like him would have been too Handsome. upbeat and loud and like in your face about it but he's Pete Davidson does this like very interesting just kind of like bro I don't know to everything <laughs> He brings this certain level of like uh, awkward. Uh, he does awkward so well without it being awkward. Yes. Who else is young? Because like normally in, in when you put somebody in awkward situations, you feel it. And I didn't get, I didn't this, get like, that secondhand this, embarrassment like, when I watched this movie. Yeah. He's this like eccentric, awkward, aloof. Yeah. People think he's extremely hot. I man. Nah. He is, he's kind of a strange looking guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's not for me to judge. Like, if you find Pete Davidson attractive, good, good for you. I mean, I, like, yeah, I guess more power to you. Um, but what do you think of Bill Burr as the uh, the father figure here? This is, I think, the the best thing Bill Burr's ever done. So this is very interesting as somebody who's a fan of stand up and like respects these sort of like I don't want to say highbrow, but like veteran comedians. I've yeah, never I definitely wouldn't listened. call Bill Burr highbrow. No, 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 I wouldn't either. But I've never listened to Bill Burr stand up. Um, it is. I believe it's raunchy. It's right. I mean, okay, mom. I'm not like knocking it. I, I, I'm, I'm saying this is like, no, I'm not saying this is like, I'm above Bill Burr standing. I'm saying somebody, this is like, there was somebody a, this, recently, is a, this is an unusual lapse in my There was somebody recently that you awareness. described as raunchy that I was like, okay. I remember who it was. Some I, comedian. I, uh, no, he, yeah, he's a little bit um, just like, just rude. Just like one of those guys that's just like a dick on stage. Yeah, I can see that. I'm trying to think of who else is like that. Like Anthony Jeselnik, guys like that. I always get Bill Burr mixed up with Bill Maher. Uh, uh, Bill Maher is like a uh, like a 
like a pundit. Yeah, he's like a pundit, but he also does like stand up. Does he? Yeah, I've seen Bill Maher stand up, so I know is this he exists. Any good? Uh, I believe it is like a little more exaggerated uh, political stand up, like political comedy. Bill Maher is an extremely recognizable person. Yes, and for a long time, I thought Bill Burr and Bill Maher were the same person no. because their yeah, names this... are very similar. Actually, Bill Burr was good enough in this that it took me a while to realize that it was Bill Burr. I thought it was uh, somebody else. So did I, but I don't think the person I thought it was is like a real person. I, I know the person who I thought it was is a real person, but it is not this person. Who did you think it was? Uh, give me a sec. I'll get you the name. Joe Pantoliano. Oh, Joey Pants. Yeah, that's who I thought this was. And I think if you look at a picture of Joe Pantoliano. Yes. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily who I was thinking of. I don't know. Yeah, no, this is definitely who I was thinking of. Yeah, 100%. I see this this picture now. One of these. He was Cypher in The Matrix. That's why. Yeah. That's who I thought it was, honestly, until I sat down and opened IMDb just now. And I was like, oh, that's not the same person. I put it together about halfway through when I started, I like recognized something he said from The Mandalorian. Is Bill Burr in The Mandalorian? Oh, you're right. He is. Yeah. He's in the, the side quest episode. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a this is a very good movie that I think is is benefiting a lot from the the bad times. Like I don't think this would be a an awards contender in any other year, but I think just by the sheer fact of it being the only halfway decent movie to come out this year, it's going to get fame and prestige because of that. I would be curious. So, there's a film last year that came out that did not do well with critics that was very heavily considered for some serious awards and i believe won some serious awards uh what movie is that tyler that would be the joker it won a lot of awards did it i don't remember yeah the the, the oscars 2020 was five years ago i mean i, I think well joaquin phoenix won for best actor i believe it um that man can act very well i still haven't seen that film so i, I don't know for sure nor i have have i seen it but i'm curious because i think it's this other kind of like sort of dark film modern commentary commentary that like hit harder than it was ever supposed to and i'm i'm curious oh it to definitely see. did they made this movie and then like expanded and then just the put it out gave it to them and have it flop <laughs> right right this was never supposed to be as awesome as just it was. like your average seth rogan movie like what seth rogan movie came out last year what the heck was it where long shot so good did you yeah see it? not not a bad movie i mean I, I wouldn't i wouldn't sit here and say so good i mean i wouldn't put it in like an awards contention conversation by any means this is much less crude than most uh seth rogan movies which i was happy about well, seth rogan's not in this is he no but this is a Seth, you could drop Seth Rogen into this character. Right, yeah. Like, if this was just a Judd Apatow movie, it probably would have been Seth Rogen. If it wasn't, like, borrowing from somebody else's life story. Right. If Judd Apatow and actually, was just I like, thought about that, that, like, Seth Rogen would fit this part very well. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, <laughs> oh, let me get some of that weed, bro. <laughs> right. Oh, my dad died in a fire. I'm emotional about it. Like, he would have fit into this perfectly uh, as the lead. And I'm glad that it wasn't him. I think, I, so this is a character I think would have fit really well, or an actor that I think would have fit well here is uh, Jonah Hill. Because because uh, he is also, if you're familiar with his personal life at all, Jonah like Hill would day, have crushed this. Right. Like woke up one day and was just like, I would like to be covered in tattoos. And then just like was. Yeah. Jonah Hill or you know who would have crushed it? Holmes. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf was born for this world. Shia LaBeouf would have killed this. I, although I, this is a dumb situation because it's about Pete Davidson's life and he did a great job with it. No, absolutely. And I, I think if there is award contention for Pete Davidson here, I'm I'm like, I'm all the way with it. Yeah, they they worked with a wild cast here too. You got like Bill Burr and uh, what's her name? Taylor Leone from Everything. 
the newest Aunt May playing the mom. Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei, not Taylor Leone. Marissa Tomei, that's the one. Yeah. And then like Jimmy Tatro with a mustache. Jimmy Tatro with a mustache playing a gay firefighter. And uh, the black guy from College Humor who's on Dimension 20. Really? Yeah. Do you watch D20? Dimension 20? I've watched uh, like 10 episodes of Fantasy High. Is it the real deal? It's Yeah, it's really good. Um, That dude Lou, whatever his name is, plays a Fabian Seacaster, who is cool. a like superhero. That's cool. Like a swashbuckling magic guy. I would love to play uh, a game of uh, D&D in a swashbuckling setting. Well, it's not a swashbuckling setting. It's a high school setting. Right, I know. But just as like a, a sidebar, if you needed to take some notes for your, for you. Uh, but no, I think Pete Davidson did an awesome job with this. Um, I was going to say this is like sort of his like acting debut, but I guess Saturday Night Live is acting. Yeah, I also don't think this is his acting debut, is it? What has he been in? Uh, he was Duncan and set it up. He was Jerry in the Angry Birds movie too. And that's it, apparently. <laughs> okay, so he's he's the new Jimmy Tatro. <laughs> or he was he was on course to be the new Jimmy Tatro. Jimmy Tatro, just so we're clear. Anytime Jimmy Tatro shows up in a movie, I'm always like, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> I think any time Jimmy Tatro shows up in a movie, though, it drops 20 points off the Rotten Tomatoes score. And it's not his fault. No, he's, it's just he's... he's He looks like a YouTuber turned Yeah, actor. he's an untouchable. Like, you can't you can't work with him. Right. Although, I think he did fine in this part as a as a gay firefighter. Um, with a mustache. Yeah. He also has, like, a, a Netflix show that... Yeah, American Vandal, that's a 98% and has People two seasons. People love American Vandal. Yeah. Uh... And all the TV shows he's ever been in have gotten, at least ones that have scores, have been excellent. And then in terms of movies, 22 Jump Street is amazing. Smallfoot got excellent scores and King Staten Island got an excellent score. Uh, yeah, and he was in like the Grown Ups 2 for 30 seconds. and That was his, his first, uh, yeah. first on screen. Oh, look who's on my front page of IMDb is Adam Devine. I do not like that guy. I love Adam Devine. But you know who I, I, I really love? Whom? Charlize Theron. Theron, Theron, Theron. Okay, tell me more. Oh, that's it. She's just opened my IMDb page. I was looking at films that she's been in, and she's one of these people that every time I see her in a movie, I'm always like, "Whoa!" Fair. Um, so I wanted I want to derail us real quick and and tell you about a toothpaste and orange juice that I heard yesterday. I'm with it. Give it to me. Uh, let's see. I got to get to the bacon and eggs Twitter because I got to see what you actually said here. While you're getting that pulled up, uh, we were talking about Joe Cantalini or whatever's known as Pantalones. <laughs> Pantaleano. Pantaleano, who played Cypher in The Matrix. Uh, Charlize, Charlize Theron, Theron is a character named Cypher in F9. The Fast and Furious franchise. Oh, look at that. Is that coming out anytime soon? Uh, or are they waiting on theaters to open back up for that one? It says post-production 2021, so who knows. She was also Cypher in The Fate of the Furious. Apparently, this is not a new part. That's probably true. Charlize Theron's in a lot of random action movies. Yes. And she's also usually just, like, completely unrecognizable. Yes. So, yeah, I, I almost tweeted at the whoever runs the Bacon and Eggs Out of Context account to find out what episode it was where you said the thing about, uh, I'm Tyler Carlin and I drink coffee with cream because I love myself. I, I mean, I did. Um, and then you went very staunchly on black coffee for a while, like publicly. Anyway, uh, I thought this was really funny. Yesterday, you responded to a tweet to Bacon and Eggs, um, where we apparently said, leave coffee shaming in 2017. I believe it. But I'm going to coffee shame somebody real quick because I heard- How dare you? I heard a sin committed yesterday. Tell me more. I was at the, uh, Starbucks over by- um, the Home Depot, the the Home Depot. Yeah, the dip, the, the depot. Yeah, the, the, the like Hunting Hill Starbucks. Uh huh. And I was in the drive-through, and I had my window down, so I could hear the order the person in front of me made. And she said, "Hi, uh, can I get a grande white chocolate mocha and a venti black iced coffee with ten sugars and two equals?" No. 
a venti black ice coffee with 12 with, sugars with essentially 10 sugars and two equals equal is just sugar right no i mean equal is artificial sweetener oh, but it is it is the same amount of sweetness as sugar unlike sweet and low which is concentrated concentrated which i wish somebody would have told me that before i went to work in an office why because I made a mistake one day. What was your mistake? Putting too many sweet and lows in a coffee. <laughs> no, there's no such thing. Sweet and low is, is coffee's best friend. Yeah, but I put three of them in a cup of coffee. See, I'm a two sweet and low guy. So here's my uh my Sweet and low is aggressive. Lineup. I'm a one sweet and low guy. No, I'm a I'm a uh if you have little the little cups, right? Uh I'm a two French vanilla creamer, two sweet and low guy. Well, so what I made We're, this day in, in my past was uh black coffee with three sweet and lows. Okay. And it was aggressive. Yeah, I, need, I need the cream to to mellowed out. Um, and then yeah, 10 sugars and two equals, which I have never in my life thought to ask for a blend of sweeteners. No, me neither. I would just think 12 equals. Yeah, 12 equals or 12 sugars. Although if you're the Starbucks employee, surely you like don't, right? You just like open up the little sugar jar and pour it in for a second or for a couple seconds, right? And then you just set it back down. Like you don't. I don't know how uh, Starbucks dispenses their sugars. I would imagine they have a like soda gun where you just click it 10 times mm. just do bop, 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 bop. i don't know how many that was but like you know what i mean like it, it dispenses somehow because start they're so fast it's too fast for them to be sitting there going well rip pour rip pour yeah that can't possibly be it but you, but people do this all the time where they order like and a specific amount of something like whether it's it's you know pumps or whatever they'll be like yeah can i get three sugars in that and like they know starbucks knows right they do know so i don't know if it's a if they just literally put it in like a tequila bottle and just let the the, the pour spout do the the work and you just count it the same way you count water but um or liquid not water but yeah uh 10 sugars and two equals and the uh, person on the other end went uh and a different voice picked up and said yep got it that is the wildest thing so i guess everybody had the the can have the the drive-through in their ear or whatever I, again i don't i've never worked at starbucks but i heard the person because the person goes hi welcome to hunting hill starbucks what can i do for you and she ordered and that guy goes uh and a woman picks up and goes yep got it can do which absolutely wild craziest thing anyway so that's that's my coffee shaming done for the day i just had to get that out before i forgot about it because that was absurd well just know that i'm gonna hold this against you one day and you're gonna order a cup of coffee and i'm gonna i'm gonna make fun of you in front of the whole coffee shop you're gonna that's be hard pressed <laughs> To, to what? To shame my <laughs> coffee order. To hear you make it. Please, there's an easy enough way to shame every cup of coffee. Go ahead, go ahead and pitch a cup of coffee to me. I can get a latte. Wow, look at this. Wow. Have you considered the environment? Have you considered the cows? Right, but there's no way that you're going to get under my skin about it no like because well, i'm I not i'm not insecure in my coffee order if i go in and order a latte i'm like yeah i want a latte like the world is on my side <laughs> <laughs> i just wish you'd think of the cows ethan at least order it with oat milk and if you and if somebody came up to me truthfully somebody came up to me at a coffee shop and was like wow you're getting a dairy latte and i'd be like okay can i get an oat milk latte <laughs> Please and thank you. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Yeah. I'm willing to try it. <laughs> sure. I've had them before. I've um, been to vegan coffee shops. Like I feel like we should open a vegan coffee shop. I go on tour the with lots of vegetarians and vegans. Um, so I've been to my fair share of vegan donut places and coffee places. Let me tell you, for the most part, uh, vegan donuts suck and they are so expensive. Yeah. How do you make a donut without butter? I don't know. I don't know. Just sugar and flour. <laughs> Yuck. Um, but yeah, we went to this donut place, this vegan donut place in Philadelphia and a dozen and a half donuts is like 50 bucks. Good God. Yeah. But anyway, on the subject of lattes, like 
I'm also just gonna go up and order a latte. Like I, that, however that comes is fine with me. So you're a latte, Ugh. latte guy. I love a latte. I'm not okay. So I'm not gonna go to Starbucks and get a latte, right? What do you get at Starbucks? Because Starbucks has the, the 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 drinks, right? Yeah, I'll get like a like a triple s'mores frappuccino. Like I don't care. Right. I'm kidding. If I've I can, already committed. <laughs> so this is a great thing. Is like. The only place I've ever been to that fully gets this is India. What does India get? Because I would, so I, first of all, their coffee is, sugar is not optional. It's guaranteed or it's not guaranteed? It's guaranteed. Like their coffee okay. is, is not super dark. Like it definitely has some, like if you just order coffee, right? Because yep. if you go to America, if you go anywhere in America and you order coffee, you're going to get black coffee. Yeah, like coffee black. And, and they're going to drop some Walmart brand creamer and some sugar packets. Right. In India, you order a coffee and you get a fairly small cup of extremely strong espresso with sugar and and some sort of dairy product well not so sorry some sort of specifically non-dairy some sort of specifically non-dairy milk product but some most places you go uh you will they you'll say yeah let me just get a a large coffee and they'll say ice cream or no ice cream no way Mm -hmm. and if you say ice cream they'll just plop a scoop of ice cream in it is it awesome oh it's awesome dude yeah it's absolutely awesome it's just it's like it's like it was hot and is now like kind of hot and cold and cool that is wild and there's just ice cream just loose ice cream in it and the coffee does a good job of making that ice cream not so solid anymore pretty rapidly yeah so have you done that have you done that here in the states where you've pulled out like a true dairy ice cream and dropped it in a cup of joe a capojo if you will that's what i call it by the way a capojo i have not i do use uh sometimes i will use cold stone creamery uh coffee creamer which will probably eventually kill me but i'm okay with it we're all gonna die it just tastes like melted ice cream i've never done that i'm i'm a big fan of i my coffee creamer choice is very basic i am a, a french vanilla coffee mate and sweet and low type I, yeah i'm an international delight guy for sure yeah see i, I mean i don't think international delight is wrong but it, 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 there's a certain nostalgic flavor here well international delight makes the first of all nothing about coffee is nostalgic to me i did not have coffee until i was 23 years old i, uh, I was there you I was were there, there for your first cup of joe my first cup of joe at the cafe du monde I've been drinking coffee for four years, four and a half years. Uh, yeah. Maybe I was 22. I might have been 22. Uh, okay. My first cup no, of coffee. Yeah. I was under six, my first cup of coffee. Yeah, I was 23 in, in New hold, Orleans. I, hold on. Actually, I really want to talk about The King of Staten Island. So, Tyler, this episode of Bacon and Eggs is brought to you by this movie, The King of Staten Island. Why don't you tell me about that real quick? Well, I tell you, King of Staten Island uh, was directed by celebrated comedy director Judd Apatow and SNL's Pete Davidson. Uh, it's, it's critically acclaimed. It's heartfelt. It's, it's just this wonderful comedy. And it is now available to own on digital Blu-ray and DVD uh, as of August 25th, which hasn't happened just yet but it's soon um this uh the new like digital to own version has over two hours of hilarious never before seen bonus content including alternate endings deleted scenes and a hilarious gag reel um this movie is based on pete davidson's own true life story so if you're ever curious about pete davidson and what goes into being sort of this like aloof morbid comedian this is an excellent film for that reason uh rolling stone called this movie an emotional and comic knockout uh, about love and laughter on staten island and it also stars marissa tomei who you may know from like this show all those spider-man movies she was in those as aunt may it's got steve buscemi if you listen to this show you know that we love steve buscemi and his role in spy kids too uh and maude apatow who is from hbo's euphoria and netflix's hollywood and bell powley who's from apple tv's the morning show which if you haven't watched is absolutely amazing oh my god billy crudup's in that and i love billy crudup but he's not in this so pretend i didn't say anything about billy crudup uh but you should watch the morning show also it's super good uh and bill burr who is uh like a comedian who 
is uh, mean, I think is what Ethan said. Anyway, he's, he's very famous. A lot of people have feelings on Bill Burr. Anyway, we're going to be doing a giveaway uh, for the King of Staten Island on our Instagram. We're going to be giving away uh, stuff. I believe a digital and Blu-ray of this film, potentially multiple copies of that. To be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure how much it is, but you will see on Instagram at Bacon and Eggs Pod all of the awesome giveaway stuff that we're doing. And we're going to be doing like more giveaways. But either way, this is the one I want to focus on right now. You're giving away King of Staten Island merch, uh, specifically the digital and Blu-ray copies. So if you'd like your own, be sure to be following us on Instagram because that's how you're going to get those things. Yeah. Awesome. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah. Not to derail this great derailment, but we haven't talked about this film at all. And I really want to talk about uh, tattoos and and about how Pete Davidson is sad and how this movie is great because it's two hours. It's about one hour and 45 minutes of a perfectly good, well-wrapped film. And then another 32 minutes of of a a completely different good film of a completely different good film. And I love the way they meld together. And you know what? It still ends extremely abruptly. Yeah. It's very weird. All of a sudden it's like, oh, now it's over. Yeah. Like when he goes to the firehouse and like, starts like actually making up with Ray when Ray I thought I figured it when he started giving Ray the tattoo it was just gonna credits right I for that sure thought been. it was just gonna yep. roll credits yeah but no there's there's 30 minutes after that it just yep. keeps going and going and like he saves his dude's life and makes up with Kelsey it's making up with Kelsey that's how it ends sorry it's been a little while since I've actually yeah, making up it. with Kelsey so she they they meet up on the train and he quizzes her and then they kiss and it's really cute and not the train the ferry the Staten Island ferry Obs. And, right and it's such an important moment of like, you didn't realize that this film was about him learning to love himself enough that he can actually love another human being. Until it happens, right in front Until of you. Until it happens. Right. And uh, I, I'm actually getting emotional thinking about it. It's such a oh, I'm gonna, moment. I will cry it's... at some point during this episode. <laughs> um, I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to get myself there yet, but it'll happen. This... So this film hit extre- like extremely close to home. Yes. So you you are. I mean, do you want to expand on that, or do you just want to say that and leave it? There? No, I definitely want to expand because I, I need to expand on that because there's like there's things that like even if my dad hadn't passed that would hit if hit close to home. Right. Like I've always lived by the the mentality of like tell everybody you love them because they might die tomorrow. I okay. Can I tell you something as your friend? Yeah. The the death of your father made you very much more in that camp. Uh, yes and no. I mean, yes, uh, at least, obviously. At least from my perspective, the person re- receiving that love yes yeah definitely but like so my my grandmother lost her father at 17 mm-hmm. and they had had like the last conversation they had was an argument before she went to school and he was dead when she got home um and so that has been experience it, it, it has been uh experiment i tried to say experimented that's not the word um and it's just been it's been part of my upbringing always is like you know you can't go to bed angry right you can't let something live on an argument right you have to try to fix things or make things better before you cease communicating with somebody because that might be the last thing you ever say to them right um and that was like before i had my own personal tragedy to relate to that um is it does does, does it not frustrate you now, i obviously haven't had the type of tragedy you've had and i i'm like almost most woefully unlucky how li- little tragedy I've had. Not that I wish any tragedy upon myself. Uh, yeah, please don't. <laughs> no, obviously you don't, not. It's not, a, it's not a pride point here. You don't want no, tragedy. No, no. I, I, I'm with that. But does it not frustrate you how you can so clearly learn this lesson, but you cannot convey it to somebody until they experience it themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that That is something that that very much as a parent I know will frustrate me for the rest of my life of yeah. like explaining to my child like you need to do it this way because if you don't you're gonna have to learn it the hard way every girl that 
I have ever had any sort of romantic intentions with has grown to hate me at some point because of this. Because of what? Because like, I'll get frustrated with somebody if they just like, if I'm talking to them regularly and like we're romantically involved and they'll just like, you know, dip out for the evening. I'll be like, okay, bye then. You you get mad at me. Are we romantically involved? I mean, no, but I also get mad at you if you do that. I get mad at everybody if they do that to me. This is why. Hey, hey, listeners, friends, if anybody who's listening who's ever had this argument or this interaction with me, this is why. Um, Because I don't want, if, if the last thing I ever get to say to you is goodbye, I want it to be goodbye. There it is. That's, that did it. That did it. <laughs> Five minutes later, self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> uh. No, so my uh, so my dad was white trash from the boroughs, like a hundred percent. That is, this is right. So you, you're like the right same in, story. Like obviously if I, not Staten Island is Brooklyn, but like it was Queens, but yeah, Queen. I'm sorry, I knew that. Um, yeah, my definitely not. And Brooklyn. it was and it was Brooklyn in the fifth. I mean, Queens in the fifties, uh, in the sixties, which is a completely different place than it is now. Um, much to the better, actually. But um, yeah, like if my dad had never moved out, I mean, obviously it wouldn't be me, but like and things would have been different. But like I, this it is not hard for me to imagine necessarily. It was never been hard for me to imagine a, a life like growing up in New York or whatever. Because dad always, you know, talked about a couple times, like, wanting to move back there. And it never ended up happening. Um, but, like, this story hits close to home for that reason. It's, like, he, my, you know, my dad wasn't a firefighter. But, like, he... And, and I was... I mean, I was 25 when he died instead of seven. So it's definitely a different thing. But, like, there's a lot in this story that, that really I can connect with and understand. Being what? a 25-year-old with a deceased parent that... And you kind of feel like you have a thing hanging over your head. And Scott might have been seven when his dad died. But he didn't tackle that. No, not at all. he was... 25 you know and that that was when he really faced that situation um your dad also wasn't a firefighter but he did like his his career was that noble oh for sure yeah yeah 100 i mean i have so my dad um spent the last 27 28 years of his life um helping teenagers with mental and physical disabilities learn to uh succeed in work environments like normal like retail work environments it was very cool to watch it was extremely cool. Like he was, he was never a good communicator with like neurotypical people. You know, he, he, he had a lot of trouble growing up, a lot of problems. His parents were extremely, extremely abusive, mean people. Like I, I don't wish death upon anybody. I think the world's a better place without my grandmother. Like I was four years old and she started just like, not the kind of thing that is necessarily, and she died when I was four or five. Um, not the kind of thing that has gone on to traumatize me. I think I, well, okay. Like you, you say that and I, I certainly hope that to be the case, but I think any violent memories you have of ages four to five, especially involving an adult, have some sort of yeah. But I mean, it, it was it was it was I think two or three occasions, twenty one, twenty two years ago, twenty three years ago. Um, like because she lived in Florida, I only ever met her five or six times. Right. So like, it is it is at the very fringes of my memory, and it's it's not something I think about date. Like I have to bring myself to the point of like thinking like about act- dad and thinking about dad's growing up and like actively remembering something. right and like act- and, it, and it's not so like I can remember it without being like it, without it harming me you know and maybe it's probably contributed to some of the messed up things that exist in my head i don't know um that's not really why we're here (laughs) though but i so i definitely got the thing that he said that p davidson said in this movie about like you know i'm living under all this pressure of thinking he was this you know this saint this incredible guy because i did have these same experiences of like you know there, there were two kinds of people that came to my dad's funeral there were the people that were touched by his life and his work and like i have a box of letters from his uh, students that he used to teach from from years and years, like I, I, somebody reached out to all of them and they and they sent us bunches and bunches of letters that I, I can't even bring myself to read most of them because they're these people that most of them I never met talking about how much how this this amazing guy that my dad was. But then I also like every now and then you know his college friends will send me a text message with a picture of them you know packing snow into a four foot plastic bong. <laughs> 
Like when I say this story hits close to home, it it truly does. When they're they're sitting around the fire department talking about these these stories of like, and and, and when Ray is trying to protect Scott from it and be like, well, give him the PG thirteen version, and I'm like, no, I don't want the PG thirteen version. I want to know what 1968 was like. Right. You know, I want to hear about the time that you guys smoked a joint with the Who. Like it sounds awesome. Right. I want these stories. Um. So yeah, this 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 had a lot to, and it, and it wasn't like. I don't even think it was necessarily emotional for me watching it. Like, I didn't, it didn't make me cry. It didn't really get to me. I was just sitting there the whole time like, yeah, I kind of get this, man. Like, I feel where this dude's coming from. I I watched it. I mean, I also related to, to Pete's character for a variety of reasons. Uh, obviously not for the same ones you did, but uh, I watched it very much relating to it, like, vicariously through you. Of yeah. being like, this is a great depiction of what is likely going on in my best friend's head. A lot of times, yeah. And I mean, I, I again, I'm like a... <clears throat> You know, a, a guy struggling to be creative and make a living being creative in the wake of my father's passing. And that's, there's not really anything different here. I mean, yes, he was a very bad tattoo artist, and I am not a tattoo artist by any means. Um, he drew good once. What did he draw good once? The picture of the ice flash for the for Ray's kid. I thought the kid drew that. I no. didn't realize that. Okay. No, so there's a... That, that's the whole pivotal moment between Ray and, and Scott. Oh, you're right. That, that Scott... Yeah drew this well yes yeah. uh and like that's no that not that scott drew this well that scott knows more about ray's kids than ray does right that's the big and like moment. listens to ray's kids right and walks them to school walks what them a- to school and like and you know he can't he, he doesn't know the words to say to kids he doesn't know how to be around kids and um a lot of times i feel like that where like you know i'm gonna have to learn when your daughter's singing something and i'll be like yeah, Olivia sounds great. Kill it. I don't know, you know, what's up with this stupid old McDonald's song, but crush it. I, it. It is like this weird balance of like, obviously, I feel this pressure to like protect and, and whatnot. But at the same time, like I'm constantly asking, like, why do we protect from this particular thing? Uh, right. And, and if you it, can immediately find a good reason, then there's a good reason. Right. And I don't think, yeah, I'm not I'm not telling anybody that they're a bad parent because that they like keep their child from swear words and things no. like that. Like. Do, do whatever makes sense to you and I'm not saying that we're gonna like you know swear in front of Olivia or anything like that I don't like swearing in our house at each other for like any reason ever um, and trying to find ways to be intentional about if you're going to swear that it's not directed with malicious intent uh, and, it, and it, sometimes it can be hard not to I run into that problem with sports a lot where uh, I really like watching sports but I do not like cheering against the other team I just like cheering for my team and other people who watch sports do not feel that way yeah no that's the whole thing about sports is is like willfully being mean to the other team right and i just like i don't feel that way i feel like like this is i i'm a fan of the the washington football team and they have some like intense deep rivalries and uh like i just can't be i think dak prescott's a wonderful quarterback he's fun to watch <laughs> <laughs> right and like again this is not a, a how to parent how to parent your child podcast vis-a-vis swear words i mean obviously we censor those words on this show because for those parents <laughs> for those parents yeah we want to give them a, an opportunity opportunity but at the same time like i don't think that justin mcelroy's kids are gonna grow up to be horrible people no i I, I don't think so either yeah i would i would absolutely Um, agree with that he told a very touching story recently about um his younger daughter not understanding the difference between donald duck and donald trump (laughs) 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 and watching and watching uh cartoons and saying that donald duck is an asshole that's funny. That's, that's like doubly funny because a lot of the duck characters in cartoons look similar. And like Scrooge McDuck is Donald Trump. Well, Scrooge McDuck is Donald Duck's like brother, right? I don't think Scrooge McDuck is part of the Disney crew, is he? I could be wrong. I really don't know much about Scrooge McDuck. 
Scrooge McDuck is DuckTales. DuckTales isn't Disney. It's not? I could have sworn that the, the kids were Donald Duck's kids. I mean, they could be. I, it, I, says, it says Disney DuckTales every, okay. on every single picture. Okay, okay, I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I never watched the DuckTales. Me neither. We're actually gonna, if you want to hear about the cartoons we watched growing up, be sure to check out our Patreon and listen to Oh, the, we're not uh, going to talk about... Obviously not DuckTales, because we didn't watch... DuckTales. We didn't watch DuckTales, but uh, if you would like to hear about those, that's what we're talking about in the, the Hash Browns this week. That's our show after the show. Um, no, but like Pete Davidson is is this like bad tattoo artist who has like committed to okay 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 Huey Dewey and Louie are Donald's nephews so Donald's so brother or sister passed them on to Donald I, I am okay cool I did know this okay but then Scrooge McDuck how does he fit into this Scrooge McDuck must be Donald's brother or uncle or is Huey Dewey and Louie are related to Scrooge McDuck then I believe they call him Uncle Scrooge I don't I, I don't know what Scrooge McDuck is from other than a gif great uncle scrooge mcduck so that would be donald's either uncle or father there's no way scrooge mcduck's son okay is well donald quackmore duck. duck is donald's father <laughs> this family tree is so much scrooge, worse than scrooge scrooge McDuck, i ever thought scrooge mcduck is donald's maternal uncle okay so mom's brother mom's brother yeah hortense mcduck's brother so huey are are great nephews huey dewey and louie are della duck's sons della duck is sister donald's twin sister twin sister okay it says younger twin sister that's weird how does that work with eggs do you go from the time the egg was laid or the time you hatched from the egg hatched okay that's hatched fine. dog cool anyway there's your duct we have officially entered the realm of of up and down comedy podcasts <laughs> Because we just talked about DuckTales. Um, so that's DuckTales. Now, now Scott Carlin in this movie is playing the role of this like crappy tattoo artist because I guess he feels like he has to have like a creative endeavor. And because he likes getting tattoos, he feels like he wants to, like he should want to give tattoos. Well, so like I, I noticed, I know Pete Davidson as bad tattoo haver. Does he actually have bad tattoos? Are those his tattoos? I believe those film? are all his tattoos. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I don't know much about Pete Davidson's I don't think he's... tattoos. Okay, let's let's here we go. Donald Glover would make a great Scott Carlin. Pete just. Davidson shirtless. Oh, this is just that's a good thing for your search history. <laughs> right. Yeah, these are his tattoos. Okay. So he has the word Shaolin written across his tummy. If you'd like to listen to Ethan and I's uh thoughts on the, the cartoons we watched growing up, be sure to listen to the Ash Browns this week. Oh. Uh and then on the topic of Shaolin. Um so yeah, so so I kept forgetting the whole time that this is supposed to be like sort of his story. Oh, I did not. This this was very clearly his story as I watched it. Well, I don't know anything about Pete Davidson, so I know nothing. I knew nothing about Pete Davidson except that he at one point dated Ariana Grande while she ate a lollipop. Okay, <laughs> like and that he has a huge mouth. He does have a big. He has mouth. a huge mouth. He's incredibly toothy. Yes, uh, but has very white teeth. Good for him. Um. So I knew Pete Davidson had bad tattoos because I believe I've seen pictures of Pete Davidson shirtless before this, uh, because that's what my Twitter feed does is show me Ariana Grande's boyfriends. I mean, there are worse things for you. There are worse things for my Twitter feed. Yeah. Um, I guess I have curated that that interest group. But anyway, uh, so this whole obsession with tattoos the whole time kept throwing me for one because like. I forgot that it's supposed to be about him and that like he sort of also a needs justification for these bad tattoos and b that like clearly has some sort of either is acknowledging that they're bad or loves them even though they're bad. Probably both that's going on here. Yeah. But just this need to write about these tattoos all the time. Without ever going into like, oh yeah, I got, because the, the only time they ever go into what any of them mean is like, oh, this, you know, Scott's dad died. We don't talk about it. And everybody's like, nah, we talk about it all the time. Hey man, you know who's not here? Your dad. <laughs> 
<laughs> and in case if listeners, I don't want to tell you how to treat your friends that are grieving. Um, the 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 ideal there is the middle ground of just like don't you know you don't have to not talk about it, but you also don't want to like make jokes like that all the time. Well, okay. So to follow that up, that is true. If your best friend is Ethan, talk to the friend who has these feelings and this situation. Well, yeah, no, I mean, talk to me about it for sure. But like, I'm, I was assuming that the talking had had happened, and maybe that's not correct based on how the rest of the movie played out. But at the time, I was thinking the talking had happened, and they were clearly at a point where they were like comfortable with it. And like, yes, right. I'm at a point where I'm comfortable with it. I still don't want people to like make those jokes in my face all right. the time. But I also don't want people to feel like they have to like apologize for having a father right because i definitely get that sometimes with people i'm less close with they'll be like oh my dad did this and they'll look at me and be like oh my god i'm so sorry like you're allowed to have a dad i had one for 25 years i have stories too it's fine yeah it's weird it it it, it can be hard to talk about i know that like since since your dad passed i have recollection of making like one joke that i felt like was too far and you immediately were like that was way too far and it has haunted me since that moment (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember what it was if that makes you feel any better i (laughs) didn't Uh, I think I do actually remember what it was. I'm not going to revisit it because it was too far, obviously. But uh, I know exactly what I said. I'm sitting right here in this chair. Uh, well, not this chair. I didn't have this well, chair. Well, and there, there will right, probably right be a time when it's not too far. And, and you know, I also don't feel like I have to, like, coddle you about it. I feel like I can say to you, like, hey, man, not there. Well, I, I also feel so, like, I, I as I've said before on this episode, I am, like, a stranger of death. I It has not affected my life hardly at all. Oh, I've been to too many funerals. I've been to three my entire life. I've been to like 20 something. Well, I take that back. I've been to three in the past 12 months. I've been to like five or six in my entire life. Um, well, you are at the age now. Um, where they're going to happen a lot. They're going to happen a lot more. Yeah. yeah. For a while. Um, and then they'll probably trail off. Or not. My I fam- don't know. My family's on the whole like older than yours. Um, I mean, some of it. I have grandparents. Okay. Or, I, yeah. I mean, I have grandparent. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I definitely don't want anything to happen to my grandparents ever. No, no that, that, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. It's just like every, every generation. My parents waited so long to have me that the generations are progressively older above that. Right. Um, uh, but like, so I am like a stranger to death. And I remember uh, before everything happened with your dad, I would make a lot of jokes at the expense of a friend of yours, not like to his face or anything, but I just thought that it was like weirdly funny and okay. Like it was this morbid thing that I felt like was okay to joke about. And like the old older I get, the more I realize, like, that that was not a cool thing that I was doing. Right. That was that was just mean. And obviously, like, I don't think I've ever spoken to this person in my entire life, but it's still just like, I didn't gain anything and there weren't, like, no. laughs going around. It was just, like, this weird thing that I did and I, I don't know why. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, sometimes you just got to read the room about it. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, like... And that's that's the truth with everything. It's just like judge how well you know the person and and how you think it's going to go over. And then if if you know if you still need feel the need to do it, then, then just try it. I don't feel the need yeah. to joke but about anybody. Some people suck more than you do. Right. I uh yeah I, I don't feel that. I I don't like being mean to people for any reason ever. And that's not always been true about my life. I've definitely been been a bad person before. But I like the harm I've caused others has caused me enough pain that I don't. We want both to learned be that a person. lot uh, after my father died. I don't I yeah. don't feel the need to hide that. It's like we both became better people. Yes. Um just generally just put a lot more care into the world after that. Yes. I would um, agree. Yeah. How how much of uh kids will be kids do you buy into a non-zero amount yeah i would agree like all children are assholes right and like, there's a certain yeah like all of them. you have 
you don't have empathy for feelings you've never the good had ones. before. Yeah, that's the thing is you have no empathy, no even like structures in your life for empathy. And if you do, because so many things have happened to you that have caused you to be like, you're one of like the childhood trauma cases. Right. And that's either going like- to react, you're going to react very positively or very negatively to that and be on one extremely heavy end of the, that spectrum and people are not going to know how to handle you. But for the most part, kids suck. They're just mean to each other. John Mulaney said something about like nothing, no one is meaner than a group of 10 year olds. Oh my gosh, yes. Do you ever get stressed out like walking through the mall because yeah. some kids are going to make fun of your outfit? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why I care what these kids think, but Look I Look at him. He's got feminine hips. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I get this all the time. I saw a, a TikTok the other day where somebody had like set it up where they were like walking by a house and out the window, like a nine-year-old girl was like, that's an ugly shirt you're wearing. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's like, they're just horrible. Uh, they're horrible to each other. They're horrible to adults. And, and, and as a parent, I have no idea how to prevent that. You can't. Or how to stop it. Because, like, because I feel like the way to prevent this is, like, allow bad things to happen to my child. So no, they learn it's not even lesson. that. If <laughs> bad things happen to them, they'll still do this. Children are pack animals. Right. They will immediately, like, you know, this is this is the thing. This is Lord of the Flies. I'm not saying that we should celebrate it or that, like, oh, boys will be boys should extend to, like, murdering your friends. Right. Rest in peace, Piggy. But there are, there's a certain amount of, like, that is how... And it's not just boys. That is how children act together. Well, and I think there's a difference between kids will be kids and boys will be boys i i think well recently yeah because boys will like, be boys has uh, recently been used, been like, used justify has like, been used to to uh justify the actions of grown men right that's not okay that's right. not what Gr- i'm grown saying men here. with fully formed frontal lobes making horrible choices not you know kids throwing rocks at houses right i actually had this weird memory of like me as a kid like there was a house behind mine where there was a car that was like had a cover on it sitting outside and the house was not abandoned but like the owner was on a business trip or something that like had extended far beyond a week like months yeah Uh, and like a group of neighborhood kids went over one day and just like destroyed their car yeah and it wasn't like a nice car it was like already in terrible shape but that's not okay every boy has thrown a rock at something they were not supposed to throw a rock at (laughs) all of them i don't care if you are masculine feminine gay straight you know any if you if you feel that you are cisgender as a child or not like every boy has thrown something at something has thrown a rock at something they were not supposed to i feel like this extends to a fair amount of girls as well but there's a lot more of like there's a lot more gender laws placed on girls yes also, this this doesn't necessarily have to be destroying someone else's property or like no. I'm just saying that like I, I'm saying that dropping every, a rock on a fish counts. Everybody who grew up a boy is looking in the mirror right now and going, "Yeah, I did something I wasn't supposed to. Uh. I caused." property damage or endangered an animal or did something stupid and you learn well you don't necessarily learn in that moment but you learn through other experiences like we, I, I went that to, those were bad moments i went to a i used to go to a summer day camp at fishburn park when i was a young child and we would go in the creek there and throw crawdads at each other we just like pick it's them just, up under rocks and just chuck them at each other you know it's crazy i did the same thing but now if you brought like a crawdad to me i would be like get it away oh i don't do want to touch it i don't want to touch I, it it's do a baby lobster this is messed I, up I do not want to touch it that doesn't belong here it belongs in the creek belongs away from me not under this roof uh-uh yeah so i don't like frogs i can't do frogs so the interesting thing i thought 
of about this movie is that like you get those so those so many scenes of scott doing this whole back tattoo on ray right yeah and this is after we learn that scott can actually draw and you think it's gonna be like a master you think it's gonna be good because it's like seven scenes and like the child the girl child is painting his fingernails yeah and like it, you know it's a big learning moment and then he pulls the shirt off it turns around and it's garbage <laughs> it's an absolutely right. horrible like disjointed back piece so ethan as somebody with a lot of really bad tattoos, do you feel like you were? Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm kidding. Your tattoos are I have for the most. five tattoos and three of them are mostly fine. I like all your tattoos, but like they all have, well, not all of them have meaning to me. Some of them I don't understand at all, but the one that you don't like has meaning to me. So that's good. I mean, it has meaning to me. I just don't want it anymore. No, I get that. But it doesn't like, because it's hard to explain to people. Is a contributing factor to why I don't want it. But I, I get it. I understand the tattoo. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the one on my, uh, the lyric on my bicep was just not done well. I just went to a bad shop. I was younger than I was, than I am now. And it was getting my first tattoo. Also, also, no, not everybody is drunk when they get their first tattoo. They are actively like, it is illegal to tattoo a drunk person in Virginia. Yeah. It's like jail time. Yeah. You can't consent to anything if you're drunk. Yes. Is that a line in the movie? Yeah. So you needed to watch this movie, it sounds like. <laughs> no, I remember it. Every time you say something, I'm like, oh, yeah. I yeah, like, somebody, okay, so somebody justifies their uh, first tattoo being bad because they were drunk or whatever. And then he was like, yeah, Scott, everybody who gets their first tattoo is drunk. He's like, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah bro. I don't know. Like, I can't even do the thing. It's so... because. Yeah, the the right. accent is there, but it's so much mouth. It is a lot of mouth. Like you can, his, his you can hear the away. mouth when he talks. Uh, so it's like the, the words have to bounce around in there for a minute before they come out. He tattoos the kid. What do you what do you think of this? Do you think that Bill Burr is is justified in being like, hey man, this is really yeah, not absolutely. Cool. It's a crime. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Bill Burr actually handled it pretty reasonably by going over there and being like, look, I understand this can be removed. Pay for it. Yeah. Instead of just being like, I'm going to call the police on your son. Yeah. What a wild scene. But it just, it is so wild to me that we never, that it never resolves that he becomes, because it does I guess it doesn't matter if he becomes a good tattoo artist or not. It matters that he learns to love himself and other people. But it's it like, such a I, weird I moment his, of not resolution where he doesn't ever get good at it. I think that makes sense though. To me, his like desire to be a tattoo artist and being bad at it is like, he thinks if he can achieve this goal, then he will have like achieved what he set out to do. And he is so on the wrong path in that regard that like, right. there is no reality where he's good at tattooing the the only maybe not the only right path is but like the correct path is the one that he definitely doesn't want to take which is becoming a firefighter right and you see these uh, this is a, a common story um, where like, oh, he doesn't end up doing the thing because or he doesn't want to do the thing because he doesn't need it to prove himself. But he, those people in those stories usually still end up getting the thing, right? Right. For the most part. So this is, it is, I, I agree with the choice. I think it's a good choice, but it is a risky choice for like a movie. That's usually not how movies work. So there's, you know, we watch a lot of, of fairly formulaic movies on this show just because it, it like that is what sells tickets, right? Those are the movies that people see right. for the most part. And so uh, the more we do the show, the more I get shocked when the tropes don't happen. Yeah. I, I, I really, like, I would say him not becoming a tattoo artist and never learning and, like, going into the tattoo shop and the tattoo owner being like, why on earth would I train you? Or even if I did, like, okay, then you are worthless to me. Like, this isn't this isn't a goal that you want. You're not willing to work for it in the slightest. You just want to own a tattoo gun and be good at tattooing. And, and that's not how this works. Yes, I agree. But I also would never get a tattoo from somebody who speaks to another human being like that. No, me neither. I, that dude sucked. Yeah. Like, again, uh, it was tough love and he had to learn that lesson. But, like, I also think that calling the dude out for his shitty Confederate flag tattoo was hilarious. Yeah, why would you ever get a Confederate flag tattoo? 
A lot of people do it. I, but it doesn't make any sense. They the lost. The freaking, the part, so many tattoo places in, in light of the um, brutal police-based murder of George Floyd. So many police places were like, I mean, police tattoo shops were offering like free cover-ups of just overtly racist things like Confederate flags and, and, and Nazi symbols and whatever. Like no questions asked kind of things. And I saw so many pictures of people that would get like the Punisher logo over their Confederate flag. That's not bad, right? That's good. No, Tyler, no. That's a cop thing. Well, yeah, but like the Punisher's like anti-cop. Like cops who get the Punisher logo don't get the Punisher. Right, but they, okay, so they get the they get the Punisher logo with like the, uh, the black and blue flag in the eyepiece or whatever. Right, but they don't understand no, the they Punisher get character. They, they get they get a a like overtly cop based tattoo to right. cover up their overtly Confederate tattoo, and it's yeah. just that that meme of Pam Beasley from the Office being like they're the same picture. Right. <laughs> it was so so many different examples of that. Mm. Also, like I there is I don't know how it goes state to state, but there are definitely states where you're like not allowed to refuse to do a tattoo like that. Really? Yeah. I feel like if you're a tattoo artist, you can say no to anything. Yeah. There's like laws and stuff. That seems there's very there's very strange laws. So like they can't they're not allowed to tell you if something spelled wrong something is spelled wrong that i believe you have but to like I, you have to like you could they can imply it and they could be like are you sure that this word right here is right like this is the way you want it but they can't say like but they can't say like not- hey you spelled you spelled this word wrong you spelled weird wrong e before i i was also gonna say weird as my example <laughs> that was very strange that was weird <laughs> just insert the x files theme music Uh, No, but in my mind, that's the same as being like, Ethan, you're a photographer, right? Yeah. Shoot my wedding. Okay. No, but then you say no, and I'd be like, no, you have to. Yeah, but like, there's no laws about wedding photographers. (laughs) Right, but that's that's to me like the same thing of like, it's like being a portrait painter and me being like- that's the thing is like, if I'm a wedding photographer- Paint this landscape and you being like, no, I can't. No, but that's the thing is like- That's against the law. If I am a wedding photographer and I have a business as a wedding photographer, I can't refuse to shoot a gay wedding. Really? Yeah. What if you're like busy that weekend? Okay, well- <laughs> Obviously, if I can't, but, but like, but like, if it comes back that like I don't, I'm not busy that week, let's say, let's say I say I'm busy that week and I'm not busy that they can like sue me. That seems that seems it's discrimination. I would, uh, I would say, yeah, okay. Obviously, I think the photographer should shoot the gay wedding, right? Ethically, yeah. Okay, let's let let me let me say hey, that. If you're bar. if you're gay and you want me to shoot your wedding, I would love love to do that. I have zero wedding experience so far, but I would love some. Would you shoot your first wedding for free? Absolutely, yeah. Cool, hundred percent. But okay, so like ethic ethical bar is wedding photographers should shoot all weddings because they're getting paid to shoot a wedding. Like that's their job, right? They shouldn't be commenting on the on the sexual sexuality of the of the betrothed. This happens. But like this happens but the, daily. The, but, the, but the business mind of me is like the free market business mind of me is like you can refuse service to anybody for any reason. So I don't know where the laws stand on that, honestly. I don't think that you can refuse service anymore. That was like a like a Jim Crow thing, basically. Hmm. And no, that makes sense because like now that now that I say those words and they come out of my mouth, it's like, okay, but you like if somebody came into your restaurant who was gay. We reserve the right to refuse service to anybody. To anybody. That, that means, means you, you hippie boy. I feel like I feel like the the government shouldn't be able to tell you you can't do that, but society should stop supporting you if you do. Well, they do, and I think that that's in the states where that's still a thing. Like, I do not think Virginia is is still one of those states, but I'm not positive. But this happens daily, where and it's because the whole wedding industry is prejudiced against gay people, right? And you right. have yeah, yeah, yeah. you have 
bakers and wedding planners and venues and churches and photographers refusing to do homosexual weddings. I would, I'm not a photographer and I'll shoot your gay wedding Dude, for you. Dude, seriously. I'll, I'll, I, I'll, I'll, I, I will, I will, straight up, Ethan will shoot your wedding. I will marry the two of you. I will like, ordain myself in your state and I will marry the two no, of you. There's no world in which I I am a wedding photographer, right? Say that I am a, a, a the Thomas Rhodes Baptist Church ass God-fearing motherfucker. Right. I'm a Liberty University type guy and I vote, you know, I, I'm a businessman. So I vote Republican because I don't want the government messing in my business. Not taxes. You tell me suddenly there's a whole nother subset of the population that's allowed to get married. I'm there with bells on. I don't not care. Only like, that, you have not to only be, that. You have to be such a huge racist douchebag to turn down business. Right. Uh, the, 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 the business mentality is all money is green. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I would definitely not. And turn I'm obviously. Down I'm not. I'm not. I'm not supporting the people that do things for the wrong reasons. Right. But like, it is so wild to me because you see this all the time. Business owners that refuse service to people who they disagree with. That's wild to me. Now, on the flip side of the coin, if somebody came into your business, say, say you get a call from like a clansman who wants to get married, would you be like, no, I'm definitely not doing that. Yeah. Let him sue me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> because at that point I know that I have history on my side. Like I have the the, the arc of history be- is long and it bends towards me being right about this. No, I yeah. So that's that's I think where the obviously like people who are in hate organizations are terrible and wrong, but that I think is the the leg that they get to stand on of being like, well, you would refuse service to to this hate group, so why can't we refuse service to these people who love each other? People. I mean, and, 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 and daily people still get Confederate flag tattoos and Nazi symbols and everything from, from licensed tattoo artists daily. That sucks. That sucks. Anyway, I would like to work your gay wedding, please. In some capacity. Same. Let me show your gay wedding. I would love to. Your gay wedding. Or your gay elopement. Whatever. It, times are tough right now. There's not a lot of whole wedding, uh, not a whole lot of like proper weddings going on. Although I've heard the wedding industry and this is grapevine type stuff. This is, you know, friend of a friend of a friend. I'm not getting married again. Uh, I've heard that weddings are happening again. I, I don't know if this is real but that's what i yeah they definitely are i feel like it's very very tough to tell people like i feel like a lot of people understand you can't go to the movie theater with a hundred strangers but they have a harder time comprehending i have several wedding wedding invites sitting on my fridge right now will i go to them truly don't know probably not uh they're off my fridge i took everything off my fridge because i'm moving i'm not hopefully that would suck you just got there yeah i got like seven months i actually didn't just get this i've 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 been here for like five months i've been here for three years and one month right i've been here exactly as long as quarantine has been here oh yeah i moved in a week and a half before quarantine started this is something i love when you go into a new place of like residents and there's still a little bit of mystery about all the rooms because you haven't spent that much time there yeah and like the place feels big i love that feeling yeah. i do not like the feeling where it shrinks and all of a sudden it's like none of these rooms are new to me anymore. Well, let me tell you what will remove the feeling of mystery is quarantine <laughs> is, is quarantine yeah i know the rooms of my house very well so much so that i built another one where i'm like i have 16 walls total well there's some there's some hallway walls like i have living room kitchen room dining room one big area an office a bedroom and a bathroom there's how many bedrooms is your place two are you in one of the bedrooms right now yeah okay my windowless bedroom there was another one that sucks <laughs> i don't live in this room no i know yeah, i work in here that's wild let me tell you because i'll spend a day working in here like i i spent most of monday sitting in my office working on late to the party and mm-hmm. And like I, having no windows in your office is a wild thing where I'll go outside and I'm like, oh, it got dark. Look at that. Right. Or, oh, the sun's still out. So we've got about 10 minutes more of chatting on this episode before we reach wrap Do time. Do we really? Yeah. 
Jesus. Uh, All right, let's talk about this movie some more. This is a good movie. Um, I, really, I don't think it's a great really movie. Loved it. Oh, I I love it. I uh this this actually maybe not like top ten. You know, I all really time. think it's gonna improve on a second viewing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it is like it is lengthy and it is like not really what I was expecting. I uh, yeah, it, it takes like a lot of twists and turns where I'm like I don't know where this is. It, t- it takes a long time. Like it is, it is much like a lot of the art films I love in that, like it hides the story for a long time. Yeah, it hides it spends the point. A, a lot of time showing you who Scott Carlin is and and letting him make bad decisions in front of you. Yeah, and just like burn every bridge he has, let his Willfully. friends get arrested. Oh my God, the whole like his buddies want to rob a convenience store thing. When when that starts happening, you're me as the viewer invested is like Scott wouldn't do this. Scott wouldn't be a part of this. And but it, he it would. really he was, opens it. He but was he wouldn't. He did driven. Into a corner right and it, and it really shows you like how toxic the people he's surrounding himself with are uh, yeah and how you know terrible like like you want as he's going through this journey of like finding himself and discovering himself you're hoping that his friends are going through this same self-discovery and it's so abundantly clear that they are not you know and you have yeah. this like jarring moment where like scott's made some progress and then all of a sudden he's back where his friends were in that first scene watching the purge uh starring marissa tomei and it's like oh right he all of this internal progress he's making can be stripped away immediately, immediately. because because his friends you know the people he trusts more than anything because a lot of times and i think in scott's case you know he doesn't have a super good relationship with his sister and his mom is his mom so it's like it's not the same kind of right. relationship that you would have with a, a friend and he's very much like a you choose your family type yeah at least that's what i gather and and as he's bettering himself it, it just doesn't take any time at all for him to to lose all of that progress and well, there's so many there's countless stories of you know kid from a bad neighborhood almost gets out does something to mess it up yeah and that's that's what exactly what scott's doing here um and and sometimes they get out of it and sometimes they don't i mean it's 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 a lot of sports movies it's a lot of like you know goodwill hunting type movies that end up like that and and i was glad that i didn't have to necessarily watch it again like i was glad i didn't have to watch scott get arrested right i was very scared for a minute that i was gonna have to go down that whole road because it's just so played out but it's so played out because it is absolutely true it's like that is legitimately why my dad left new york city he felt like he had to get out because he was i mean he was 17 and he was dating maria Elena camarada whose dad was like a mob boss right whose dad like made a little bit too much money uh with garbage trucks in right queens in 1967 um and he just had these these you know idiot friends who were getting into too much trouble and he was like he he graduated early from high school and got out he went to high school with like 10,000 people that's insane yeah they had to go to high school in shifts so that's about how high school's about to be again yeah like they would go a group would go from like seven to to two or whatever to one o'clock and then one to seven uh but that's i I really love the the situation scott ends up in and i do think there's a little bit of i I don't know how the the community feels about this but i think like scott's friends going to prison is the best thing that can happen to scott yeah 100 percent. and like he he so vastly benefits from that crappy situation right i mean that's that's the reality of a lot of it too is like not necessarily going to prison every time but like getting out of the being forced out of the situation somehow the situation no longer existing there's a whole different conversation about what led to those kids being locked up in prison but for the most part those kids weren't necessarily portrayed as victims of the system no they also committed a crime and were arrested for it right but that's that's the the conversations going on right now is like what drives young specifically young people of color to to commit these crimes that's that's right the the concept around policing and the the prison system is like how can we stop the crimes from having to be committed but that is that is not the case here it shows from the beginning these people are just too 
complacent and cool with just selling drugs and like they don't want out. They don't want to be better. That's the no. first thing you see from them is they have a conversation about like, why would we want to go out? Watching the purge is awesome. Right. Why? Yeah. Why would we ever want to leave this? And that situation? was a very weird scene, but it was good setup. Like it was a strange way to open the movie, but it was good setup. Yeah. And uh, I think it's so easy to sympathize with Scott and like his view against Bill Burr's character. Yeah. Of like, you're coming in here. You just want to be with my mom. You don't understand me. You don't understand my sister. You don't understand our life. And he almost seems like this sort of like creepy villain. And then like as their relationship develops, you're like, oh, maybe Scott is wrong about him. Maybe this guy well, genuinely... Scott- yeah, Scott's as wrong about him as, as Ray is about Scott. Right. And they're, you know, at odds with each other, connected by Scott's right. mom. And Ray has decided Scott is worthless and Scott has decided that Ray is the bad guy. Right. And why would you ever want to be with... The big thing is why would you ever want to be with a firefighter? Now, hold on. Where do we stand on firefighters? They're still heroes, right? Um. Yeah. I mean, what they do is great. I don't know anything about... I, I don't know if the, the pro-anti-firefighter movement, but... uh. I mean, I don't think anybody's out there saying that we don't need firefighters like we don't need... Like they're saying we don't need police officers. Right. I think that one of the the situations, because firefighters have a job, right? Like firefighters- Put out fires. Put out fires. And people that are saying defund the police aren't saying that we should have no police and no detention and no any of this. They're saying that that should be the police's only job, not judge, jury, executioner. Right. And I agree with that. Um, And that they shouldn't be out there, you know, like shooting people having mental breakdowns. Right. Um, But like- They shouldn't be shooting people, period. Right. Yeah. (laughs) People who commit crimes still deserve to be shot for them. Um, That's why we have a legal system. But yeah. Anakin was wrong. I think- Right. Yes. Anakin was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Took me a second to figure out what you're saying there. The killing, the kill, executing Dooku. Or the sand people or the Jedi children. The sand people outside of the Jedi order. Dooku was like inside the Republic. Anyway, yeah. Anakin's a great case study here. This is this is a good conversation. Oh, for sure. We can have this conversation sometime. That can be a hash brown. Yeah. What does Anakin Skywalker say about the American legal system? Are the Jedi cops? Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I just. And you know what? The Jedi what? were pretty wrong about some stuff, too. Yeah. That's why Anakin failed. Yep. Um, but no, I think this is a really good movie. I'm, I'm curious to see. I mean, obviously, this is the only movie that I've seen. Like, this is the most recent movie I've seen. This is the only movie I've seen since Onward that came out this year. Really? I saw Trolls World Tour. It was good. I did not. It was like $23. Oh, I know. I was at a, uh, a family thing and there was lots of children there. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any children. So it is not like any any movie rent or movie purchase any, any sorry any movie rental over twenty dollars is not worth it for me. There's one about to come out Mulan. Are we gonna see that? I don't know, dude. I have no idea. It's coming out in September, I think. It is gonna be thirty dollars a piece plus Disney Plus subscription money. Well, we've already paid for Disney Plus. I agree so. with that, but I also I am halfway in favor of boycotting it for that reason. I think that is absurd. I think that's a that's a bold move. I don't know. I, there's a lot of nuance here of like I, but I want to give my money to this Disney property that I is don't. led by a female. I don't is, at all want to give my money to this Disney remake that nobody asked for and nobody wanted. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm curious if it gets good reviews. I'm sure I'll see it. Um. But but us covering it is more than you seeing it because that That's is us true. saying, hey, you should also pay thirty dollars plus seven dollars a month. Unless you already have a subscription. That's not the case. point, Tyler. It is still a cost. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I like. So let's I, say just I, but let's say one month, right? Like that's a thirty-seven dollar movie rental. That is absurd. You could also watch Frozen Two. So High School Musical, the musical you can, series. Hey, hey, bud, you can rent Frozen Two for three dollars. Do you? Th- can you? I have no idea. Almost certainly, yeah. Yeah, I would imagine you can, but. I don't know. Uh, but you can't rent High School Musical, the musical, the series. So 
the world is would have been better off without High School Musical, the musical, the series. I have not watched a moment of it. Me either. I'm sure. But I know that it has brought a lot of people that I care about joy. So for that, I, I appreciate it. But I have no idea if it's good or not. Um, it's not really my thing. Yeah, maybe, not really I don't know. Maybe my cup of tea. I liked Glee, so maybe I think it'll be great. I really don't know. I don't know. Um, we'll see about Milan for sure. I think things are going to start. I think they're going to have to start giving up on this idea of theaters opening back up. I, it's, it's such a weird thing because like the theater industry was garbage before, but the movie industry was a booming. So I don't know how like it was such a weird dichotomy. I'm very curious as to how it's and so here's go. my thing. I would be OK paying for thirty dollars for um a movie rental. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want the precedent to be set by the evil empire of movies. I don't want would Disney you... driving the ship here. OK, but if A24 comes out and says, check out this Greta Gerwig, Timothy Chalamet movie, it's thirty dollars to rent. Literally nobody will rent it. Not one. OK, uh, A24 does not do the distribution for those movies. OK, if A24 makes a Greta Gerwig, Timothy Chalamet movie and is like, hey, Amazon, charge thirty dollars for people to see this. People will not see it. Well, Universal would say or Warner Brothers or whoever. Right does the distribution for it whatever the point is that film is not going to can get I say, seen can we talk about so a24 is the only production company that has a cool logo you know like touchstone or jerry bruckheimer not really not compared to to like columbia or paramount or universal or it disney or dreamworks the like the the, the big big companies the big distribution companies like the one that comes first like this movie was distri- distributed by universal has the, the 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 world over it with the with the letters yeah with the letters no no music but um, with the with the world, um, and then it just goes to some awful like whoever produced this movie. Uh, I like A twenty four is pretty good. A twenty four is like a cool logo. Every time the A twenty four thing, because I just watched uh, Lady Bird the other day, um, and it's so cool. Every time it comes out, like the flickery freaking thing, I'm like, you you know what you're doing. This is an aesthetic. You are branding yourself. And like A twenty four just sells T shirts that say A twenty four on them. They're like forty bucks. I don't think I'd buy one. I don't think I would either. But somebody's out there buying them. They're trying to turn themselves into like a streetwear brand. Yeah, because it's a cool streetwear logo, and it definitely. Can communicate something it definitely but it's says, like they're a cool movie company right like they get it well they're like a i listen to records movie company they they have a certain aesthetic they're going for i have i have t-shirts with the uh the walt disney corporation's logo on them many in fact i'm wearing a disney shirt right now you are from a song i don't even like hakuna matata yeah hakuna matata what a wonderful I, phrase yeah okay simba but you have worries your kingdom is dying so mm-hmm. maybe get on that anyway so the king of staten island uh <sighs> might be the best movie so, to come out in 2020 so far it's a one i can tell it's you i don't one. like it better than i don't like it better than onward um Mm-mm. it's a toss-up in terms of films you and i would relate to i think i relate more to onward than you do it's true well, true and then i think you relate to king of staten island more than i would although i've noticed recently that like i very rarely identify with characters in fiction like i i've i'm very bad at and i don't know if this is a good thing or a personality trait or what but like i don't watch stories for relatable content in fact when i see relatable content i'm usually like i don't like that they understand me i don't like that they think the way i think i like i'm very bad like like uh, the thing comes up every so often where it's like pick four characters from television that you relate to okay but you like pixar movies yeah but not because i relate to them yeah just you because do, I like them. you 100 do you just said you love you love onward so much because you relate to it so much you relate to toy story movies i promise I, okay you. so i i relate to I relate to the dynamic between Ian and Barley. I don't feel like I relate to Ian as a character. I don't feel like I'm like Ian in any way. I think you do. I think you think you do. No, I don't think so. I don't think I would like, I, I don't think if, if, 
me and my older brother uh, got to go on a quest and one of us ended up being magic. Like say it was B- Ben and I, I think Ben would be the magic one. I think that you relating, you related very strongly to the brotherly dynamic between the two of them. And I think that mis- you saying that that is not relatability is bonkers. I just don't feel like, like the, the sitcom thing specifically that I just mentioned, sitcoms get me because I am Ross and Ted and like I am the white guy that they are trying to relate to. Which is weird because like in How I Met Your Mother, I should be Marshall. I am the married one in my friend group. Yeah, but like you talked earlier about all the the different TV shows that Jimmy Tatro has been in. Movies are so much more valuable in TV shows, almost like exclusively. Yes. I don't relate to any character Jimmy Tatro has ever Movies played. are a better thing the television shows except for several individual cases like i would argue for breaking bad i would argue for lost i would argue for um stranger things stranger things maybe parks and rec do you relate to a character in stranger things i don't feel like i do i don't feel like i watch that show and i'm like i'm just like this character i related very hard to will byers at one point i was gonna say will for me as well uh if it was anybody you or... are a hundred percent mike i was gonna say dustin you no way I... you're mike you've always you as a kid you were mike mike wants to be the main character yeah i feel that. When Will I, was I sitting relate. there, like when Will was sitting there, like all of my friends have girlfriends and none of them want to play Dungeons and Dragons with me. I was like, <laughs> preach it, kid. I feel that. And Mike way. is just like a dick to him because he wants to hang out as boys. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I relate to Mike. I don't relate to uh, the older kids very much. Be- as a younger brother, though, I don't think that I would. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I've never been the 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 like the leader um, to like a bunch of kids. Right. I've never been I Steve always, Harrington. Steve Harrington, that's his name. I always get like really scared of the influence I carry over young kids because I know how much influence my brothers had over me of course this doesn't matter to me as much in my 20s uh but like when i was a teenager one of our best friends had a younger brother and like if we said anything he would latch onto it and that like genuinely scared me but like a good enough story doesn't necessarily have to beat you over the head with relatability and that is i think where stranger things stands out which character okay this is an important question maybe we discussed this on the show in the past in friends which character are you supposed to relate to as the viewer ross that's what i would have said ross is the audience surrogate yeah yeah, I you think can it's pick Ross. One out. I think it's Ross and about Rachel. About Ross, yeah. Uh, it's not. It's because it's about yeah. Ross and Rachel. You have to learn about things that Chandler and Monica do through their eyes, right? But yeah, you're supposed to relate to Ross. You're supposed to relate to Ted. You're supposed to relate to Leslie. Obviously, nope. Ted, though. Yeah. You think Leslie in Parks and Rec? I it's think it's about to... Leslie. Yeah, I think you're supposed to relate to Ben. It's no, but okay, not necessarily relate to, but you're watching it through Leslie's eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Leslie's perspective on the world. But I think you're supposed to relate. I think Leslie is more Barney than anything else, and I think that you're supposed to relate to either Ann Perkins or Ben Wyatt. Really? I would be interested. And that's, we, that's why the show gets so much better with Ben's introduction. This is a, okay, so this is a, this is a hash brown for later on because I would love to have this conversation. Yeah. Um, because they seem like the rational adults in the whole thing. So like uh, writing in third person limited is very hard, right? That is the tough thing to do. Because um, you, because you don't, you are not limited. You are omniscient. Right, because you know everything. The, the, the bitch who must not be named is very good at this. Yes. Uh, an exceptional writer of third-person limited fiction. You don't know anything Harry doesn't know ever, except for the, even then, it's it's the, the, the chapters that aren't Harry's are told to him through a dream or a vision. Right. You don't know anything, and it colors everything about the world constantly, and it is consistent, and it is well done, and it is so hard to do. That's why most authors uh, lean on a, like, a good first person, like Suzanne Collins, in the first three Hunger Games books, or the three Hunger Games books, is an exceptional first-person narrator. You live and breathe and die with Katniss Everdeen. Yes. And then she chose to write the Ballad of the Songbirds and Snakes in Harry Potter Limited. Really? I didn't know it's that. Very, I still haven't figured it out. very, very jarring because of that. Because she's, st- she's trying to write for 
first person, but just says third person pronouns constantly. It's like weird. Yeah. It's also, it's just, it's extremely good fan fiction. That's it. Well, she is the fan. Right. But I mean, it doesn't make any sense with the, like, there's no way you cannot, you cannot rectify 17 year old Coriolanus Snow with 75 year old Coriolanus Snow. Is he like, uh, are you sympathetic towards him? Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's about him. Well, I, I mean, it's written well enough that you're like sitting there like, oh, man, how does he turn into this asshole in the future? Right. That's what you want is how that happens. I don't care how he's redeemed in the beginning. I care how he's terrible. And there's, and, and at the very, 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 very end, there's a moment where that happens and he starts to think about everything, but it's like, it's the last 10 pages and it's just kind of thrown in, you know, ramshackle where it's like, oh, okay, now I get how he becomes a jerk. Right. Uh, anyway, we need to wrap this movie. We need to put it on the, the grande board. So you're saying below Onward. Yeah, I, I don't like this as much as I like Onward. I loved Onward a lot. What is in, around, or about Onward? Let me get the big board up. Hold on. Because I did like this, I think, better than Onward. Okay. Well, let's, let's get around there. Onward is at 14, just below Ghostbusters, just above Coco. Uh, and, and two below Call Me By Your Name to above Christopher Robin. Wow. There's some gaps right there. Christopher Robin criminally low here. Really? Christopher Robin's bangs, dude. Such a good movie. Um, So you said better than Onward, better than Ghostbusters? I say definitely not. Uh, And then on the other side of Onward, better than Coco? I still feel like no. Um, just I had a hard time. Robin. I didn't. I did not like Coco that much, honestly. Huh? Like, I. I mean, I enjoyed it. I would say it's interesting to me. We have two Pixar right next to bottom each other. half of Pixar for me. Really? Just really I didn't like. Coco. Really didn't vibe with it. I because at no you point. Know what, you, at no point have I sat here and gone like, man, I would I would love to watch Coco right now. You know what a uh, Pixar movie recently probably broke into my top five Pixar? What? Ratatouille. I would rather watch Coco than Ratatouille. Mm, disagreed. Ratatouille is amazing. Um, but I like, I like Coco less than all four Toy Stories. I like it less than both Nemos. I love Finding Dory. I do too. I like it less than Monsters, Inc. I like it less than Inside Out. I feel like Inside Out is like, even in the realm of Pixar, is like way too good for its own good. Yeah. I like Coco better than all three Cars movies and both Incredibles movies, but I like it less than all the Toy Story movies, both the Nemo movies, probably both the Monsters movies. I, although I truly don't know about Monsters University. Okay, so I'll, I'll settle with you above Coco, below Onward. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a, a good spot. Although uh, truthfully, truthfully, I'll be with, I'll be real with you. There's a lot yeah. of nostalgia factor playing into this one. There's a lot of like fun factor playing into this one. I think all three of those movies are probably better than Ghostbusters. To tell you the truth, uh, you know, it's it's weird to me because as I look at this list, so much life has happened since we started this year. When you said that- Coco still on this list. List, that seems impossible. Yeah, I, I don't know when we possibly could have done. Well, I mean, it, to be it, fair, we are very close to the end of year three. Yeah, we have six weeks left in year three. Uh, let me see. Seven we have. Now. We've done forty-two films, so that would mean ten left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, eight gets us to October sixth. Okay, then maybe there's two missing from this list, or we weren't both here for two weeks, which I think is the case. Well, you weren't here for She's the Man, but that's on here. We did not review. We've re-released movies twice. Okay, I and that adds up. I know we did one. We re-released. Uh, what was it recently that we Love did? Simon. Love Simon. Yep. I wonder what that would land on this list. Probably in that same era. Yeah, area. I mean that's a good. Good movie yeah um cool yeah this is a one it's a good movie you should watch it you should pay 14 dollars, 15 dollars to rent it or to buy oh, it. oh yeah to buy it yeah it is you a, should own it it's very good well, it, it, it's only ownable oh well i own it and i very much enjoy owning um, it it's available for fi- for 15 or 14.99 rental 
I mean, purchase on iTunes and I imagine Amazon and whatever else. Um, and it's available for rent August 25th. Anyway, so this has been our episode on the King of Staten Island. I hope you enjoyed our episode. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. We got a little deep there for a minute and not too deep. We've gotten deeper. Um, but our uh, music for the show is by Andy Bell and just got bellmusic.com and our graphics are by Vaishan Brandon, graphite.vmb on Instagram. Hit those people up if you need creative work done for you. Um, Vaishan is an incredible graphic artist and Andy is an incredible composer and just an all around incredible human being who I love talking to both of them actually, but I've been uh, chatting it up with Andy recently. It's been nice. Andy's an amazing person. Yeah. Andy's working on a big project right now. I believe. Don't you love that? He's like, love to see it. He's like, uh, he came out to, to VA and, and like locked himself in a lake house to work on a big project. So proud of him. Anyway, uh, you ready? Yeah. Um, anyway, this has been bacon and eggs. I've been Ethan Edge, at least be Tyler Carlin until next time. Arriba Darchi. Angus Costello as kid who vomits.